Welcome. Wait, are we starting? <laughs> That's definitely making it in. Welcome to the Dudes and Doxology podcast. This is the very first episode, the introductory episode. Can you guys imagine? We've been talking about doing this for literal hours. <laughs> We've been talking about this for probably for what, a month or two at least? Yeah. I'd say since the end of the refinery this year. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll talk about what the refinery is in a little bit, but... Uh, this is the Dudes and Doxology podcast. Thank you for joining us for our introductory episode, the first episode. What is the term? Well, like the maiden voyage. That's what uh, that's what this episode is. It's the maiden voyage, and uh, we're going to talk about what this episode is about. Our our goal, uh, why we're just all three, why we why we have all this free time, and why we just lots wanna, of free time. Yeah, we're dads and we're husbands and we're heavily involved in the local church, and then we have all sorts of time. We all have full-time jobs. And so we're like, you know what we want to do? Let's take on another thing. Let's do another thing. (laughs) So we'll talk. I just love it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Let's talk. We'll talk about all of that soon. But I mean, uh, I don't know about you guys, but my wife definitely needs a break from me. (laughs) (laughs) My my wife told me to stay as long as I need to. Actually, can I sleep at one of your houses tonight? (laughs) Um, uh, Before we go any further, let's... um, Let's stop, and every podcast episode we do, we're going to start off with a devotional, just a brief time in God's Word. This this podcast, we're going to sift everything through the gospel, everything through a biblical worldview. Um, so it's it's not like this is the only time you're going to get Bible on this podcast, but we do want to stop and reorient our hearts and minds on what God might have for us, and uh, just spend a, just a brief few minutes in God's Word. And today, uh, Hunter who's sitting to my right, and Kyle, who's sitting to my left. These are the voices you're hearing. My name's JD. Sorry it's taken so long for us to introduce ourselves. Um, But here's today's devotional. Yeah, thanks, JD. Our uh, devotional today will be out of 1 Timothy 2.5. As many of you probably know, 1 Timothy is one of the pastoral epistles, which are one of the letters that were written by Paul later in life. Those epistles are in the later half of the um, New Testament, and this one specifically was written to an elder in the church uh, named Timothy. That's how it gets its name. Anyways, at the point that we come into this passage, Timothy, is, or excuse me, Paul is talking about what it means to pray for your leaders. There are obviously, you know, good leaders, bad leaders, but Paul, or yeah, Paul, Timothy, they were not living in a world where they were dealing with particularly good leaders. Um, you know, he was saying we need to pray for them despite, you know, whether they're the most liberal guy out there, the most conservative person out there. He said you got to pray for them because they are our leaders. Uh, in this passage, it starts out for saying, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And I think this has three theological truths that we can focus on to help us pray better when it comes to praying for those in power, those who have authority over our lives. And the first is that God is one. This was groundbreaking in the pagan world. The idea that there was only one God was something that was fairly unique. It was unique to Israel primarily. And there they would be worshiping God, the same God of the Old Testament and New Testament. Um, But everywhere else they were praying to multiple gods. And uh, at the time of the Roman Empire, they believed that the emperor was one of those gods. This idea that God is exclusive is something that we see for the first time spreading through the Mediterranean. And this has some fundamental realities when we're looking at it. It's when you're petitioning, you're not petitioning to multiple gods to see which one you're getting favor with. There's one God, and whether he grants your petition, whether he grants your prayer, it's all in his power. 
the classical formulation of God is one in being with three persons remains to be true. The second truth is that our mediator is with Christ and the mediation that we have is through Christ. So not through Mary. I will get to that. But yes, our mediator is not somebody like Mary. Um, as many people would teach, including the Pelagians, uh, we are not a partial mediator. We don't do things by our own good behavior, our own good works. We are not able to step aside with Christ and say, hey, God, look at what I've done. This is something that has earned me a benefit when it comes to my prayer my prayers aren't heard more because I'm a more righteous person. Our prayers are heard because Christ has done a mediation for those who believe. Praise God for that. Absolutely. Another false teaching that we see is that we have co-mediators. One of those common co-mediators would be the saints, Mary. They believe that these people are mediating on behalf of us for Christ. Or, excuse me, mediating to God. Um, in Catholicism specifically, they teach that Mary is a co-mediator between Christ and man, and there are some who say that even Mary is mediating to Christ because she mediates to Christ, Christ mediates to God, and you have like a, pray, a prayer chain, essentially, of how you get to God. However, this is not what this passage is teaching. This passage teaches us that we have mediation through Christ and Christ alone. And so... We are sinfully adverse to God, but because we have Christ, there's someone who's stepping in as a mediator. That's what a mediator does. It's someone who steps between two adverse parties and works out peace between them. That's something that I see in my daily work, people who are doing mediation. And honestly, it's good to know that we have a mediator who is fully righteous and has secured eternal salvation for us. The last truth that this passage brings to us about our prayer life is that this mediation was done by Christ or the man Christ Jesus. The truth here is that Christ is a man as much as he is a God, and this is a rejection of what they call the monophysite error, which is that Christ is exclusively divine but not human in any way, shape, or form. What this does is it shows us that a mediator needs to be both man and God. This is something that has been stressed in the early church and stressed throughout theological history. If it was just God, then we wouldn't have somebody who was able to pay our sin. And if it was just a human, that person would not be able to secure the divine perfection that was necessary for the mediation. So it is only in Christ Jesus that we are able to have a mediation that's perfected and to bring us salvation. And for that, I think all of us can say amen. 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 That's why it's so important that we affirm Jesus' divinity because it it makes it that much more important, much more, no, not important, much more significant that he was the one that died for us because without that divinity, he wouldn't have had the capacity to pay for all of our sins. Correct. We have uh, people, you know, like Muslims who teach that Jesus never died. They, they even teach up to the point that Jesus was a sinless man, but that when it comes to him dying, they reject that idea. This idea that there was atonement that was paid for by a man, let alone a man who was God, is a foreign idea to any religion other than Christianity. We are the sole faith that teaches that God was the one who stepped in and took upon, sent, took sin upon himself and ultimately 
wins salvation by canceling the debt through his own death. That is a uniquely Christian idea. Very good. Thank you, Hunter. That was a, that was a good start to today's podcast. Well, we're going to turn the page a little bit. And uh, given that today is the introductory episode, and uh, by the way, we want to talk about where we, where we are recording this episode at. Um, Hollywood, California. <laughs> not some basement. We are on the beautiful campus of Ankeny Free Church in the probably halfway renovated uh, new podcast studio. Yeah. Matthew has done... There's still a ladder in here. There is a ladder in here. There is some paint on the floor. Primer a, on the wall. In a can, yes. Um, but it is a work in progress. Matthew, shout out to Matthew Peterson. He's done a great yes. job at uh, all this. I can definitely see where this is headed. I'm really excited for it. Also, shout out to Judy Collier for giving up her office for us. This used to be the women ministry leader at our church's office, and she gave it up so we could podcast. Well, I mean, really, when you think about it, what's more important? Women's ministries? Or podcasting. Or podcasting. You or mean the young you, men in the church. You tell me. Anyways, yes, shout out to Judy. Everything is a gender issue. <laughs> Everything. Um, so we're going to turn the page a little bit, and... Uh, we, we did have a, a, a kind of a rundown of what we wanted to chat about today. And I'm just going to give you kind of a brief synopsis of what most episodes of the Dude and, Dudes and Doxology podcast will look like. Every now and again, we will uh, interview somebody. I know we've had several people already that want to be interviewed on the podcast that we um, are excited to bring into the studio and interview them and uh, chat with them about things. Um, but for the most part, uh, most episodes will start off with a brief devotional, just like Hunter just led us through. Um, and then we'll move briefly into uh, what we're just going to kind of call news from the pew. And that's just recent news that made headlines. Do churches still have pews? Well, some do. The cool old Baptist and Presbyterian churches mm, do. Amen. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I think the church that I went to up until I was like eight had pews, like legit pews in it. My it's a Wesleyan church. Church I grew up in in Indiana had like the old creaky wooden pews with the they were super cushion that was broken down all the way to the wood. No, there no, was no, no cushion. cushion. It was literally just all wood. So like you're it's you're not falling asleep. It's way holier that way. I mean, God, there was wanted. also just a level of youth group games were so much better when you had pews you could hide under. Oh, for that's sure, that's one hundred percent correct. Do you think? Can you, yeah, and then like. That's just that just made like the auditorium not useful. Then like I mean, besides playing hide and seek, but like you think of how hard it'd be to move pews. And then you just, can't prove who the strongest guy in the youth group is because he can only stack like maybe one pew at yeah, a time. Compared <laughs> to moving just normal chairs. But anyways, we're calling this we're calling the section that we're gonna go through called News from the Pew. And that's just recent news that has made headlines that has to do with evangelicalism or church life here in the United States. And we're each gonna take turns chatting about some of that stuff and uh, after that, we're going to talk about uh, like hot topics, recent news that made headlines that has to do with culture or morality that we find interesting. Uh, next on most podcasts, um, we'll do like This Week in Church History, and then we will finish off each podcast um, with a topic like dating or Christian nationalism or purity culture or wokeness or a certain facet of theology that we are excited um, to chat about and encourage you with, and honestly, just grow in, um, grow in ourselves. But for today's episode, we want to take just a little bit of time and introduce ourselves uh, to you, share our stories uh, briefly, um, where we're from, how we became who we are today, what our lives look like now, how we came to know Jesus, um, what our 
uh, church life uh, looks like and and all of those things. So I'm going to pitch it over to Kyle. And Kyle, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, just your brief faith journey and testimony. And then I'll go and then Hunter, and then we'll talk about like what our family dynamic looks like, how we met our wives, all that type of stuff. And then we'll all go and talk about like why we're passionate about local church ministry and serving in the local church and what that looks like for all three of us. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm Kyle Rude. Um, yes, you do say it just like the other word, rude. Um, good joke is that... Uh, I thought you were saying nude. Nude. The other word. You... <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> nude That's making it in. Rude. <laughs> Leave it in. <laughs> so, the old... the. The best joke I've ever heard. You want to know what it is? Heard it like I want to hear it. literally a billion times. Why you got to be so rude? Why you got to be so rude? Oh man, <laughs> look at that, Hunter. How did you? How could you guess that? Hunter, it's Kyle such a I, unique joke. Kyle and I went to Why high school together, and so we were on track team cross country together. And I swear, every year there was at least one or two guys that made that joke and thought they were hilarious. Yes, I did including not coaches. They didn't realize that I've been hearing that joke since I was four years old. I did not know that you guys were on cross country together. That's cool. Yeah, I was, I was really bad. I was on cross country too. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Why is this so unbelievable? I don't Crossing know. this country to get some donuts. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to be talking about uh, what we'll leave it in. <laughs> talking about my story, how I came to Christ a little bit. So that'll be great. I mean, it's not really. I mean, it's an exciting story, but it's not very dramatic. You know, um, like I mentioned before, praise the church, God, honestly, yeah. for boring testimonies. Yes. Boring testimonies are what I want my children. I want my children to say there's not a time in their life where they can remember Christ not being a part of it. Facts. Yeah. That is a goal. Yes. Well, and preach, that's, honestly, that, Hunter. That, preach. That, and that, that's pretty much how it was for me. I mean, um, I mentioned that I went to that Wesleyan church uh, when I was eight. I think we went there till we moved to Iowa. What um, state was that in? That was in Michigan. Michigan, that's right. Yep, I, yep. I was born in Kalamazoo, Michigan, lived there. Till I was nine, then we moved to Iowa, Ankeny, Iowa. Where on the hand is Kalamazoo? Kalamazoo. For all of our podcast listeners to it, see. Yes, so that everybody <laughs> can see it. So you know how you've got like uh, an M shape it's kind on of like your hand from the creases? The of your hand, right? It's kind of in the middle. The lower it's part like, of the indent in the middle of your hand. Are you palm yeah. reading right now? It's kind of yeah, yeah, I am. So did you know if you have an M on your palm like I do, it means you're going to be rich someday? I thought it meant that you were controlled by Majin Buu. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Kalamazoo is like just just southwest ish of the of the m okay i don't know it, i'm giving an unhelpful description because nobody can see my hand anyway i'm confused <laughs> just too, look at my i don't feel like i just google it my hand do you want to know where kalamazoo is just google it it's a great so place. um I have been going to church probably since i was born i'm pretty sure my parents took me uh, actually, I had that confirmed. My parents took me to church when I was just weeks old, like single-digit weeks old. I was at church. Praise God. Um, and then I haven't missed very many Sundays since. Uh, 29 years old now. Was I supposed to say that? How old you are? That's fine. Yeah. Okay. 29 so, now. No so here. I think we're what all is, 29. That's like that's like 1,500 yeah. times who going has to the church. Closest, who has the closest birthday to right now? We're recording this in the middle of Ju- July. Mine's November. Shoot. Oh, yeah. Ours is... Yeah, November, December, January. January, yeah. So Sweet. Yeah. The You're oldest. the oldest hunter. What a boomer. I am a boomer. <laughs> so it wasn't until I became a teenager that I started to give serious thought to Christianity and the Bible. Um, had no real interest in reading it, except when I was arguing with my friends who had 
kind of imply, insinuate that I was an idiot for going to church and being in youth group and all those things. And then it didn't happen till I was, uh, till I was 17. It was like the couple of days before I turned 18 years old. Um, it's kind of like a switch, a switch was flipped. I know that's really cliche to say, but it really was kind of like that. Um, where all of a sudden I could see how I was living my life and I could see the sin that was going on in my life that I was really, I was enslaved to the sin and Hmm. God showed that to me. And for the first time in my life, I thought, wow, I've spent the last 17 years wasting my time and going to church. It meant nothing being in the youth group band. It meant nothing. Um, volunteering, uh, for church, uh, the Sunday morning music team didn't really mean it. it didn't, it meant nothing because I didn't know Christ and, Mm. Well, praise that. God it was at 17. There's so yes. many people who don't realize that that are involved in church until their 80s. And they realize yes. in their 80s that they had not loved Christ until that point. And they're like, what have I been doing with my life? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very grateful for that, that it happened while I was, while I was a teenager. Um, but yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, you know, the past almost 12 years have been obviously way better than the previous 17 I mean, I've been growing so close to God lately, and um, my prayer life actually exists. It didn't exist for those 17 years before. It was kind of like, uh, ooh, I feel kind of guilty because I looked at porn one more time. Now i got to pray and make myself better for it or, you know, whatever. Um, but now I, I, I have an actual relationship with God, and it's just a wonderful thing. I don't know. Is there more that I need to say? Or? That was great, Kyle. No, that was actually really good. Um yeah, so we'll go back and we'll talk about the other facets of our lives. But I'll, I'll go next just because I'm next at the table. Uh, my name is J.D. Abel. I grew, um, I was born in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, if you look at your hand, that is, no. Um, uh, <laughs> and turn it sideways and squint at it really <laughs> that's, hard. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up similar to Kyle. I uh, was taken to church. Uh, I think my first Sunday was I was just a few weeks old. And uh, my dad was a... Sunday school teacher, a deacon at um, the church I, when I was super young, was going to. It was Grace Baptist Temple and uh, in Bloomington, Indiana. And I remember at being a six-year-old uh, sitting in uh, Susie Price's Sunday school class. I still remember my six-year-old Sunday school was teacher's Was it Susie name. with a Z? It wasn't Susie with a Z. It was Susie with an S. <laughs> Do you know a Susie with a Z? I do know a Susie with a Z. I I know several. (laughs) Seriously? Yeah, my cousin. Susie? I don't know. That's a that's we should do a deep dive on that word. Susie. Anyways, um, and and let me just pause there because I feel like a lot of our Sunday children Sunday school teachers, you are making so much more of an impact than you know. So let me just let me just give you a shout out. Um, but um, sitting in Susie Price's Sunday school class. Uh, I remember the gospel was presented and, um, in my six year old brain, it was very much of a, Hey, I'd rather go to heaven than go to hell type feel. And, uh, the teacher asked, okay, who wants to go to heaven? And any logical six year old after hearing the comparison between the two, uh, eternal destinations of heaven and hell, you would raise your hand that you want to go to heaven if you were paying attention, which I was. And so I was, ta- I was taken out in the hall- hallway by one of the uh, you know assistant workers, and I was explained the gospel. I, if I remember correctly, it was the Romans Road was shared with me, and I um, 
placed my faith and trust in Christ uh, when I was six years old then. And for our listeners Amen. like me who don't know what the Roman road is, could you explain that? Yeah, so there's a series I also of... also don't know. For real, you don't know what that yeah, is? Yeah, I don't know. That's shocking. Okay. There's a series of verses in the book of Romans, which is in the New Testament, and it cl- it's, it's about six or seven of them, and it clearly explains the gospel in a very progressive and natural order. Um, I don't know all of them off the top of my head, but it's like Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 10.9 and 10. Those Wait, are like, center death. No, yeah. Saved by Christ Jesus. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The glory of God and yeah. justified by His grace as a gift. This is, there's a handful. That is, I did right. not know you. Have you heard that term before? Romans Road? No. No. I, I've heard the this term. This is new to me. I've heard the term for before, but I didn't know. Maybe it's a Baptist it thing. I don't know. Anyways, maybe it's a Baptist thing, but for me, I mean, I didn't grow up in the church, so that's true. Part of my story. So that's true. Wow. So Dude, wait, wait your turn, Hunter. Yeah, Hunter. It's not your turn. So shuddy. Um, so I accepted Christ when I was six years old, was baptized shortly after that, um, baptism by immersion. Um, when I was nine years old, my oh, dad... Oh, I forgot to mention, I, I became a Christian at 17, but I didn't get baptized until I was 29 a few months ago. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God for that. I remember that day. I was sitting in the front There's row. a debate on whether it was legitimate because well, not all of my hair got wet. We'll find out <laughs> when we're all walking into heaven, and then if you're not, we'll be like, well, we know why, so... <laughs> The Church of Christ was right. <laughs> Baptismal regeneration. <laughs> Poor Kyle. We'll just blame Daryl because he didn't. Yeah, he didn't back. put enough water in. There. Shout out to Daryl. Um, so my dad was called into ministry, which just means my dad was a successful business owner. Um, God got a hold of his life. He sold his landscaping business to my uncle, um, so we could keep the family name Able Nursery and Landscaping and we moved to Springfield, Missouri where my dad attended seminary. Um, we lived there for about a year and a half and then my dad accepted the call to be um, the pastor of uh, a little small church in uh, Ames, Iowa and it was called uh, Heartland Church and essentially when we got there, when we moved to Ames, um, I was uh, 11 And the church essentially closed down and then it reopened as Heartland Baptist Church, which is my home church. Um, Is it connected with the, it's not connected with the Heartland Assembly in Ankeny, is it? No, just Heartland, like the Midwest type of feel, Heartland. Do you have any specific like Baptist uh, affiliation? Because there's like 5 million different type of Baptist affiliations. Yeah, there really are. So they're just an independent uh, Baptist church. My dad's a part of like a pastor's association, but... Um, yeah, and it's not like a SBC church or, you know, Northern Alliance Baptist church or anything like that. Just a independent, uh, fundamental Baptist church. So anyways, um, kind of fast forward a little bit. I grew up as a pastor's kid for the, you know, about half of my adolescence, maybe a little bit more. And, um, I saw a lot of the negative things that goes along with, um, growing up in a pastor's home, how you live in a glass house, which means everyone just sees, and, and knows most of the things you do, judges you, maybe unfairly holds you to a higher standard than they would hold other people, maybe unfairly or unjustly. Um, and uh, just saw a lot of the, I mean, pastoring is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm a pastor. I love pastoring. But there are a lot of, there are a lot of crappy things that happens when it comes to pastoring and shepherding people. Um, and uh, I mean, there's just mental side effects. There's spiritual side effects, emotional turmoil, trauma that you walk through, through, through those things. So I saw a lot of that firsthand just with my father and I kind of just thought in my, in my mind, Hey, I'm, I just want nothing to do with this. Like I, 
I'll live for Jesus. I'll be a Christian. I'll volunteer at church and love God that way. But I want nothing to do with full-time vocational ministry. Um, I actually wanted to go be into broadcasting. I wanted to be a comedian. I wanted to, my dream job was to be on Saturday Night Live. I loved Chris Farley. I wanted to be him so much. You know what I mean? So that was my dream um, to make people laugh, to, to be in media, uh, radio, TV, movies, whatever that was. Um, when I was about 15 years old, I went to church summer camp. Um, and I just remember uh, God just breaking my will that week at camp. I still remember who the speaker was. I remember where I was sitting the last night of camp in chapel, one of the few back rows, and just falling under immense immense conviction over the pride in my heart and um, how I thought that I could tell God what I was going to do with my life, and uh, he, he had no say in it. So, uh, like I said, I fell under conviction of the Holy Spirit. I... Uh, walked down the aisle just weeping to my youth pastor and we went out and uh, talked outside. And um, that is when I tell people kind of twofold, I accepted Christ when I was six, but my faith really became real to me when I was 15 years old. And that I was w- your like first big step in sanctification. You were probably mm-hmm. justified at six, but that's when your sanctification yeah. really started kicking in. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I essentially told God that night in prayer with my youth pastor, like, Hey God, if I didn't mean it when I was six, like I mean it now, like I repent of my sins, please forgive me. I put my faith and trust in you. Um, came home from camp, was baptized and, uh, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of how much to share or how much more to share before I let Hunter go. But yeah, I've been, been living for Jesus, um, ever since, obviously there's been ups and downs to my Christian walk, but uh, my faith has been real. Right, my faith has been real since I was about 15 years old, and um, currently serve as a one of the pastors at our church. And uh, yeah, so I'll share more when we go. One both. of the pastors here. There's one of the pastors here. Yeah, Hunter, what about you? Yeah, so I didn't grow up in a Christian home like JD and Kyle, um, or at least not like a practicing Christian home. I grew up in a very nominally Presbyterian home. I was. Uh, baptized as an infant, sprinkled, whatever you want to call it, um, at a couple weeks old. Uh, my parents didn't really make church a priority. We would occasionally go, I would say, Christmas and Easter were primary, which I think we all know those people. who The priesters. Kind of, yes, exactly. And there was probably sometimes oh, that we went a little bit more than that. Like if there was a VBS Sunday, because my parents were pretty consistent on having me go to summer VBS. Praise God. And that's probably the first time I ever heard the, the gospel, but I, I didn't comprehend it really at six, seven years old. It was something that I remember some of the stories from. Like I very vividly remember the story of David, David and Abigail. I don't know why that's a story that I remember from VBS, but it is. Um, Classic. Yeah, do you know that story off the top of your head? Yeah, I do. Okay, I, I don't know why that was one that stuck out to me. Like, we, I'll be honest, I'm kind of drawing a blank. David and Abigail. So Abigail has a wicked husband, and David does Named something. Nabal. Nabal. And ultimately... Um, Mr. Old Testament over here. Yeah, God God strikes Nabal down, and uh, when... <laughs> Kyle's very slowly going through the New Testament, or Old Testament right now. He's been in numbers for a year. <laughs> <laughs> Because he falls asleep every time he opens yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyways, that story, um, it's Nabal's, this wicked leader, gets struck down by God, and then 
David as like a promise protecting Abigail for her aid in this uh, war or like protecting him from King Saul ultimately ends up becoming one of his other wives. And it's one of his wives that, you know, is not one of the ones that's involved in his heavy sin. This is the part where David's mostly triumphing in life, not when he's having a sinful affair or his kids are doing all this crazy stuff to each other. But anyways, it was just a story that stuck out to me. I don't know why. Anyways, nothing to do with my salvation story. Um, When I was in sixth grade, summer before seventh grade, I should say, I was invited by a friend who was not Christian at that time, still is not Christian, to go to Hidden Acres Summer Camp here in uh, Iowa. Love it. Love Hidden Acres. Shout out to the cookies. Oh, absolutely. I didn't remember the cookies until I went up like a couple years ago as an adult, and I'm like, okay, these are pretty darn good. We have the recipe at home stuck to our fridge. Nice. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Their cookies are delicious. So anyways, I get I go to this paintball camp, and my friend's like, hey, by the way, this is a Christian camp. You have chapel. You have devotionals. You have all these things that you're going to be doing. And Hunter's like, dang it. <laughs> well, I was like, but I get to shoot people with a paintball gun, and I get to do all this other stuff. He told me, like, at the lake, you could, like, throw people off their paddle boards. It wasn't until I was there that I realized <laughs> not that that's not okay. It wasn't okay back then either. This is just what my friend Hopefully did. Steve Pinkley's not listening. <laughs> lawsuits this was in 2006 it's probably beyond the statute of limitations Um, (laughs) you would know i would know (laughs) anyways um so we were doing all these things you know having all this fun and i like many other middle school boys had tons of problems one of them being i like to swear and when i say i like to swear i mean like a lot Probably every other word out of my mouth that week was the F-bomb. Because the more you said it, the cooler you are. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what it felt like. And we had this camp counselor who was a second, maybe third to last day. He called us out on it. He said, guys, like, this is a Christian camp. I understand that not all of you would call yourselves Christian, but hold your act together. And I didn't really think a whole lot about that until the last chapel night. And anybody who's been to summer camp knows the last chapel night is the come to Jesus altar call moment. Cry fest. Yes, and it wasn't at that that I kind of had my moment. It was at a campfire afterwards where we were kind of just talking about what happened there. I was just sitting there somberly reflecting on the fact that, like, if there was a God and I was living my life the way that I was, that I was definitely never going to get to a point where I would be able to save myself. And it was kind of at that moment that it all clicked for me. Um, My life changed radically after that Uh, my wife likes to make fun of me because, or maybe it's a compliment. I'm not sure which it is. She she calls me a nerd a lot, but I was uh, one of those kids who, the second I became Christian, within like two months, I read through the Bible for the first time. To be fair, it was in the message translation. Which oh, was like that doesn't really, count. I know. Like, How I many didn't cookie read it. recipes did you find in there? <laughs> well, I found some weird stuff, but it was like the first time I was even reading a Bible, so I feel like I get something for that. But, you know what? It's better than not reading the Bible. Yes. Right. A paraphrase is better than nothing, and while the message has many flaws, it's the first time that I went all the way through, so I kind of got to see like at least the general narrative outline what the books are trying to say, and Eugene Peterson, despite making it so cringy at times, did a pretty good tr- job of like getting the overall message into the message. Um, but, um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and then... From that point, I started studying the Bible more. I was really getting into the history of it, growing. But for my first year of being a Christian, I actually wasn't involved in youth group, anything like that, because I just didn't know where to go. Uh, I had a class with a friend. His name was Michael, and his uh, parents went to the Presbyterian Church in uh, 
my hometown and he was like, hey, your grandparents helped found that church, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, why don't you go to youth group? I go to youth group. And I was like, I, I don't know. I hadn't thought of it. And ultimately, I decided to go more because he was harassing me. He was telling everybody that uh, at the youth group that I had become Catholic. And I'm like, I'm definitely not Catholic. So I started going to this. That's bad. I'm calling <laughs> you Catholic. Sorry, Catholics. Well, you know. Nowadays, if you were to say that I was Catholic and he meant in a universal sense, I'd be oh, sure, whatever. But no, he yeah. was totally meaning as a Roman Catholic, yeah. which is something that I never was uh, even close to. But because of that, I started going to youth group there, and it was a great time. My first youth minister was somebody who instilled a lot in me. Youth group, though, I don't know about your guys' experience in the mid-2000s youth group. There was a lot it was of a weird, wild time. weird games. like Crazy times. Bobbing for Brussels sprouts. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Eating if I, bananas through pantyhose, like weird. Things. If I did half the stuff that my youth pastor did when I was in youth group, I'd be like, I'd be fired. Like, <laughs> we played this one game. There was a game. There was a sheet of plexiglass, and he put Oreos. It's like stuck Oreos to this plexiglass on each side at the same point. And he did guys versus girls, oh. and you'd have to lick the Oreo off the plexiglass, and so it looked like that you were like licking the girl's tongue, or vice versa. Now, in the moment, we loved it. This is but how looking Jamie back, met his wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I met your mother, kids. No, um, but looking back, like looking back, I'm like that is so horrible. Yeah, See, I, I thought I had a story. I thought it was pretty bad, but I don't know if I can top that one. No, <laughs> so I, I can't top anything even. That's that's a whole level. Like we did the like stereotypical like sock on the soda can. Like, yeah, that gross. Drink thing. the soda through your friend's sock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Discuss Happy Meal in a blender. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, we did all those cringy games. Um, but anyways, I, I went through youth group there for a while. Um, and then one of my really good friends, her family left the church and I wasn't sure why, and then after talking to her, it's because they had started attending another church in town, um, which that ended up being my church all the way up until when I got married. Uh, that church was fantastic. I became really close to the youth pastor. It was a very strong youth ministry at the time. Um, it was through the ministry of that youth group that I ultimately decided that I wanted to go to college to study uh, the Bible, study theology, things like that, and I went to Central College, and there I studied theology, philosophy, things that I was really passionate about, which ultimately serve actually no purpose in my daily life now in the sense that like I don't use it for work, but it has a devotional aspect in a way that actually helps me reflect through all my work in a theological sense now, which is fantastic. It's like a good foundational thing, um, but it was halfway through there actually uh, seven years ago today that I found out that I was going to be, or not seven, excuse me, eight years ago today, that I found out I was going to be interning in D.C. with an anti-sex trafficking nonprofit, and that's what got me on the route to become a lawyer instead of going into ministry. Um, loved it, uh, but from there on, really, like, my faith has been always interwoven with uh, this idea of the common good. What can we do for the common good? It's an idea that kind of Abraham Kuyper emphasized. And if any of you don't know who Abraham Kuyper was, he was a president of the Netherlands who was also a theologian. Um, just his emphasis was how can Christians best serve the public in a way that both Christ is magnified, but even those who aren't believers can benefit from your work. And that's kind of where a lot of my passion goes into um, 
so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. That's how I got to where I am now as a prosecutor. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, Hunter. All right, Kyle, um, tell us about like your Christian life as adult, serving in your local church, um, married life, your wife, how you met her, kids, all of that wrapped into one. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> well, let's see. The becoming a Christian when I was 17 and meeting my wife, those all happened pretty close to each other. Um, became a Christian in uh, January of 2012, right before I turned 18. And then um, I had met my wife uh, just before that uh, in October, just before that. We started, um, we started seeing each other or we started dating, going out, whatever, whatever people are calling you it nowadays. You started going steady. Courting. Yeah, something like that. You, you kiss know. dating goodbye. <laughs> Sorry for the old references, people. We're old. <laughs> we feel old. We are the elder millennials, by the way. Actually, we're probably not. We're probably we're the youngest younger millennials. We're the younger millennials. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we aren't Gen Z, so praise God. We're weary because of the older millennials. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, met my wife, uh, became a Christian, and... I mean, I continued going to youth group, um, obviously taking it a lot more seriously. I was actually, I had a hunger to learn. Um, then, uh, you know, Hunter, we graduated high school. Well, JDU graduated the same year as us, just different high school. Yeah. Um, Ames high, Ames high. Yep. Ankeny's better. Anyway. I mean, it was. I mean, you are. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to like, to, I'm not going to defeat, you know, dispute that. <laughs> so graduated from high school, uh, went to the community college in the area, um, still just trying to figure out what exactly it meant to be a Christian. And I mean, I was living a life that outwardly looked like a Christian, but inwardly I was still struggling to figure out what that looked like for me and what, how exactly that would play out. And I, I just, you can just see in my life, there was a, a steady gradual change where more and more I would be faced with these decisions. Okay. Do I, um, you know, do I go out and, hang out with these friends who I know are probably going to have drugs on them and um, going to take them before we go do whatever um, or drinking, you know, we were still underage and I was, I was not drinking because I was underage, not because I wanted to obey, um, obey the law or be, you know, whatever. Um, but then, so anyway, get through the community college days um, Spiritual growth uh, starts out slowly, you know, reading my Bible a little bit more, caring a little bit more, um, wanting to know, wanting to get to know God a lot more. And uh, it wasn't until I got to uh, got to actual college. Um, sorry, DMAC, but uh, go Bears. Doesn't wait. matter. Anyone can come, DMAC. <laughs> as long as your check clears, you're good. That's, That's what DMAC best. and Faith That's, have in common. As long as your check yeah, clears, yeah, you're good. No yeah. GPA requirements of Faith. No, as long as you can sign the doctrinal agreement. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and the and the steep student handbook. Anyways, that's a different topic yeah, for another yeah. day. Bible college. Yeah, we can do that later. Holding hands, outlawed. <laughs> so then I went to Iowa State University, studied nutrition. Thought I was going to be going to become a dietitian. Um, college was a time where things were when they were up. As far as my spiritual life goes, they were really up, and when they were down, they were really really down. Um, all the freedoms that came along with not living in my parents' house anymore, um, having basically 
um, uninhibited access to a computer, to my phone, all of those things that I took advantage of in lots of evil ways. Um, but it was also marked by a lot of good things. Um, it was at that time that I, um, I finally just realized like, I'm, you know, I was a Christian, but I'm living a double life. And um, when I finally took seriously getting the sin of, you know, pornography out of my life, um, reached out to one of the pastors at our church, told him, I'm like, hey, I got this problem and I need your help. And he said, okay, come to my office at this day and this time. And um, that turned into the rest of my time in college about, you know, it was about three years. I had three years left to college at that point and um, started, I met with him on a weekly basis. We, he gave me, you know, this is what I want you to read in the Bible. And I want you to send me an email every single day with something that you learned from that passage every day and something that you're praying about. And so what he taught me was the importance of accountability. That was really, that was really huge for me because when it comes to sin, for me, it was the anonymity of the sin and the easy access to it. But then um, he had me also put on uh, software on my phone and my computer that would not only block those things, but also alert him if I tried to access those things, um, which that was incredibly helpful because, like I said, for me, the anonymity was huge. All of a sudden, if the pastor knew that I was looking at pornography and he knew exactly what I was looking at, I mean, I'm ashamed to say it scared me more than knowing that God knew exactly what I had been doing for 20 years up, or, you know, not, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Um, by the way, everybody, this episode is brought to you by Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes, Sponsors yes. Covenant Eyes. <laughs> Actually, I went back and forth between a couple, but that's also a different different episode that we can talk <laughs> about that. Um, got out of college. Um, well, no, we're not, we're not ready to get out of college yet. Um, it was in my senior year of college. Um, you know, I was, I was, you know, in my last year, going to become a dietitian the next year, start my internship, get registered, get licensed, you know, work at a hospital, work at whatever, right. be a dietitian. Um, but then during that year, um, I kind of felt my, my life changing, a, changing directions. I kind of started to see that God was starting to bring me toward entering ministry. And it was at that point where I, I realized and I decided, I'm like, you know what? I really, I mean, I think being a dietitian is very interesting, but that's, that's about it. I'm not as excited about it as pursuing becoming a pastor. And so, um, that's been, um, that's been eight years. No, not that long, seven years now that, that I came to that point in my life. And um, ever since then, um, things have been changing a lot. I've always had my eyes set on going to seminary, getting that education first. Um, and over time, you know, the, my, my interest in knowing the Bible has grown, I mean, exponentially over the past seven years. Um, I have a regular prayer life now. And, um, you know, it, I still don't know when I'm going to be able to go to seminary or enter a, a full-time ministry, but it's, it's there. Um, starting to realize more of what my spiritual gift of teaching is right now. Um, JD and I, we, uh, we co-lead the refinery, um, uh, ministry at our church for Shout young adults. Refinery. Yeah. Uh, refinery is awesome. Not just because we're involved in it, but I mean, <laughs> despite we're involved in it. Yeah. Despite, uh, kind of in some ways. Um, 
but yeah, teaching at the refinery, leading, you know, keeping those, uh, keeping those young adults in line, you know, all those kids sounds so old, (laughs) keeping those youths. Uh, and then Hunter and I, um, we've been, uh, teaching, um, kind of an adult Sunday school class. We call it foundations of theology. Getting to teach on that has been amazing as well. Um, getting to practice the spiritual gift more. Uh, every time I prep a lesson, uh, give a sermon, uh, it just convinces me more and more that not only did I make the right choice in wanting to um, go to seminary instead of pursuing being a dietitian, but also like being a Christian, that was that was the best choice I had ever made. I mean, I was I feel I I can definitely tell that this is what God made me for is is what I, what I'm doing. Um, maybe this isn't the final. Um, you know, iteration of that, but it's it's definitely in the realm of where God made me to be. Right. Oh, and then I also have a family. <laughs> I think that was the initial question. <laughs> Tell us about your wife. Our wives aren't going to listen yes. to this. Oh, Bree told me she's going to. Yeah, Kennedy told me she is. There's well. no way Kaylee listens to this. We have at least two listeners and yes. maybe my mom. <laughs> I bet my mom will listen to it. Nice. <laughs> So I met my wife in high school. I think I mentioned that. Moms yeah, you did. Very briefly. Yeah. So I met my wife in high Shout school. Shout out to Kennedy. Yes. Kennedy, Kennedy Rude. She loves her last name. She better. That's a great She's last stuck name. stuck with it for life. She is stuck with it for life. Uh, it's better, better than Wallace. I mean, what kind of last name is that? Did she have a boyfriend with the last name of Wallace? Oh. Oh, man. That would have been really awkward. Yeah. No. But that was her last name before we got married. Just joking. I mean... <laughs> It's pretty cool if you're Scottish, which I know Wallace she is. My, is she Wallace is, Scottish, is one of yeah. my middle names. It's one of your middle names? How many middle names do you have? Dose. I do. I have two middle names. Can you say that in English, please? Two. <laughs> I have two middle names. David Wallace. Nice. Really? Really? David Wallace? You. Yes. That's, Guys, okay. I thought we knew each other. <laughs> no, like I... The Romans Road, my middle names. <laughs> well, the middle name one's throwing me off because you've, you're, you're, for everybody who doesn't know, JD, he is a really big Office fan, so the fact that his Never heard of it. middle name is David Wallace it is actually is. blowing my mind yeah, right now. It is. Yeah, that's, that's... That's cool. Wow. My full name, James David Wallace Abel II. Wow. My full name. Anyways. That's awesome. You I met your that. wife, Kennedy. Yep. Met my wife in high school, and we dated all, all the way up until we got out of college. Um, then we got married. We spent, we were probably engaged way too long. We were engaged for almost two years. That was, that was a very long. That's a long time. Long two years, if you get what I mean. Why is it long, Kyle? Let's I, just I say what you. the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the If your loins are burning, wife her up. If your loins are burning, wife her up. Anything else, Kyle, you want to share? Yeah, yeah I have two kids. Yeah, I love your kids. Yep. Sorry yep. about that last comment, Kennedy. <laughs> Again, she's, she's not probably gonna, not going to listen to this. She's not going to listen to this. <laughs> She'll ask me what we talked about. I won't tell her that part. It'll just about be burning Jesus. your loins? Yeah, I won't tell her about I told that. The, I told the world that my loins are burning so bad that should I had to like marry you. This whole part of the conversation so my oldest now. son's name is Leave Christopher, and my youngest son's name is Colin. I have two, two children, two boys. They're absolutely insane. Yes. Uh, the other day, they were taking turns diving off their bed head first. Why not? Honestly, why not? It was Build, great. It builds character. Yeah, yeah. And then they would, and then they would wonder why they hurt, <laughs> oh, as boys man. do. Anyway, that's that's pretty much my life. Oh, should I talk about my job too? Yeah, you're because really I do interesting. do that. It's really interesting that I keep forgetting about things. Yeah, it's super interesting. I'm a I'm a quality control engineer. It's made up. 
It's, Quabity, Quabity, it's a made up job. Quabity Ashwitz. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes I think about that. I'm like, huh, I work in quality control. Just like, uh, what just is, like Creed. It's like Creed. What is your, you really screwed the pooch on this one, Creed. What's the company or not specifically the company you work for, but what do you produce? What are you yeah, making so, quality assurance for? So we're a third party logistics company. We do a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, JD. I'm about to fall asleep right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Third-party logistics company. Get ready, everybody. Um, essentially what it is is we're a company comes in and they don't want to buy their own warehouse or hire their own employees, so they pay us to be a warehouse and have employees for them. Fair enough. With a profit margin, of course. Nice. Of course. So, JD, tell us about your wife, your kids, yeah. your job. All right, I'm going to, just in case my wife does listen to this, I'm going to start off with my family <laughs> because they are the most important to me. Uh, my wife's name is Kaylee. I met her when is I that virtue signaling. Maybe a little bit. My wife's name is Kaylee. I met her Good a little, virtue, little bit when I was. I didn't meet her a little bit. I met her when uh, I was a um, eighth grader, and she was a ninth grader. We were like fourteen, fifteen years old, wow. something like that. Yeah. Uh, we both went to the really small Christian school. Uh, we attended in Ames. Uh, I knew her brother from before. We played flag football together and like, you know, Christian homeschool intramural basketball type of a league. But anyways, um, started dating uh, shortly after that, you know, Christian, you know, early high school dating. None of us, neither of us owned a car. You know, I don't, I don't know if we had a job, if we, had, if we had jobs yet. So essentially we saw each other at youth group. We saw each other at church and then we saw each other like if, if our, you know, we went on on a, like a double date or, you know, something like that. So, uh, it was very much, um, like not like super serious, like before like technology texting boomed. Um, I remember still having to like go down to the living room to like call Kaylee on the landline from my home in where the, your parents could hear. Everything. Yes. Where my parents sure could hear. You graduated in 2012. Yeah. 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 Where my parents could hear everything. Um, so yeah. So, um, Pretty much dated through high school, um, dated first two years of college. Uh, she graduated with her associate's degree in 2014. I still had two more years to, to get my, my bachelor's. Um, was tired of not being married to her. Kyle, my loins were burning. And uh, <laughs> loins were on fire. We are going to get an explicit rating for this. No, we're not. I know we're not. <laughs> just the, people talk about worse stuff. Um, uh, wifed her up in August of 2014. And, uh, yeah, one of the best decisions I've ever made was to marry Kaylee. Um, love her, obviously. Um, we have two beautiful daughters, Emma and Addie. Uh, they are also insane. Um, and I just love uh, seeing their the difference in their personalities. And uh, being a dad is one of the most, like, just rewarding and challenging and frustrating and patience-making and, like, tearful jobs like I've just ever had. Um, and we'll talk about fatherhood throughout right. many of these episodes, but, um, yeah. So graduated from high school, graduated in 2012, just like Kyle and Hunter did from Ames high school. Um, joined the army, uh, was in the Iowa army national guard for eight years. Um, did four years of Bible college during that time, went to faith Baptist Bible college here in Ankeny, Iowa. Um, yeah, got out uh, of uh, Bible college um, with my you know fresh Bible college degree. Um, had already surrendered into ministry when I was 16 years old. The year after I kind of recommitted my life to Christ, 
um, at summer camp again that next summer. And so I graduated from high school and I have this Bible college degree and I've, you know, have some ministry experience already. And I go, all right, God, what do I do next? And God essentially just said, wait for, um, I don't know, maybe about six months. That was really hard for me. I mean, both of you know me. Um, I'm a very driven uh, person. I'm very A-type personality. I don't like to wait on things. I can be very impatient. And so waiting was super hard during that time. And then an opportunity opened up. The door, the Lord opened some doors, and I became a intern uh, at another church here um, here in the metro. And uh, eventually became the, the full-time youth pastor through a series of events. Um, and then, um, yeah, transitioned here to Ankeny Free back in October of 2019, which has just been uh, one of the chief joys of my life to, um, to, to serve here, to raise our family here in this local church family, uh, to do ministry uh, here. Um, it's, just, it's just been a godsend. So, um, yeah, love that. Um, about to celebrate four years here this fall. Um, been serving in full-time vocational ministry for about seven years now. And uh, um, yeah, God is good. Absolutely. I mean, by the way, yes. we at Ankeny Free really like appreciate your youth ministry and stuff. This youth group was fairly small and you kind of brought it up. Not that numbers are everything, but mm. a healthy youth group should be growing. So we when Kennedy and I were youth group leaders, there were we took to Hidden Acres two girls and one guy. Yeah, I was there. Remember? Yeah, you were there. Yeah, I was just with my. We had to share a room with you and we your did. youth group. Little did, little did we know that we would. Yeah, that's actually month. wild. That, did you know that? No, I've never heard. Yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it was at um, like the winter of either 2018 it, or 2019. Um, was it Sub Zero or was it Winter Blast? Sub Zero. Yeah. And uh, I was with the high school ministry from my old church. And uh, Kyle was there with one of the youth from here, yeah. just a one a one boy. Single, yeah, man, and it was, like just on like my like whole thing with like child protective stuff, I would never allow like a single adult male leader to stay with a single like. Well, that's dude. the that, thing. That's they, exactly why they, they put us put, with. That's put, why they, you were with JD. Put, they put Kyle and that one student in the room with me, and you know the stu- the high school Praise boys God, from my church. Being, like, Safe, right, but oh my gosh! Yeah, and I like I kind of thought like Kyle and this other student were kind of weird, and I was like, like you know, they kind of kept it themselves, and I'm sure they were a little intimidated because they're in a room with you know 15, 20 other dudes. Also, and, fuddy daddy. Yeah, fuddy daddy. That's right. And then yeah, here we are. Funny, funny story about that. Anyways, wow. All right, Hunter, what about you? Before we close, yes. So there's kind of the cute version of how my wife and I met, and there's the real version, and the real version is what you guys are gonna get. So in high school, I want the cute version. The cute version is much shorter, but it's just not true. Mm. Um, So my wife and I met when she was a, in middle school youth group, uh, actually here at Ankeny free church. And her, um, one of her friends from youth group was actually my girlfriend at the time was my girlfriend throughout. Yeah. Was my girlfriend throughout most of high school. And uh, so that's the first time I met my wife, Bree. Um, however, when I was a senior, So Bree was the girl you told your girlfriend not to worry about. That's how that works then, huh? I don't think that was actually anything. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she, was, she wasn't on your radar. That's what you're saying. No, not, not, not as a sophomore, junior, or sure, sure, sure. senior. But um, 
then when I was a senior in youth group, she started attending my youth group. She was doing kind of a dual youth group thing where she would go to one on Wednesday, another on Sunday. And while she was going to the youth group that I went to, I got to know her a little bit better. And that's kind of what we tell people where we really like met each other. Cause that's when we actually like had a relationship that built, started to build up. And from there on, we kind of kept in contact with each other. When I went off to college, we would talk to each other via like social media, things like that. Talk about life she was passionate about a lot of the same things I was. Uh, but when I was in college, uh, after my sophomore year, I asked her on a date, mm-hmm. and we went on our first date. Where'd you take her? Uh, Sunny's Bistro in... Yes, I know that's Yeah, in Sailorville. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic pizza. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so, I live like mm, three oh minutes yeah. from there. Yeah. yeah, we went there. We had pizza for our first date. Um she always talks about how I was so intentional during that date. I don't remember this, but I apparently left my cell phone in the car, did all this like things so I could focus on her. And it's like, it may, it makes sense, but were, I just don't remember. As it. the kids say, you were risen her up. <laughs> you know what that means, Kyle? You explained it to me in London, <laughs> but I still kind of don't understand it. There's a risley bear. All right, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I got actually called that earlier today. So that's... that makes me so happy. <laughs> Oh, anyways, we went on that date. The Rizzler. From there on out, we had been we've been dating. We were dating steadily until we got engaged in uh, twenty. I want to say seventeen. After my first year of law school, I actually had my grandmother's ring proposed to her at the sculpture garden in Des Moines. Mm. Um, after we went to Spaghetti Works, we had a plan like a R.I.P. to Spaghetti Works. Oh yeah, dang it! Like we had like a whole plan for what I was going to do. We had somebody who was playing music. We had a like position. I was going to propose initially at the fountain at the Capitol. Wow. But the person who was doing music for me texted me and said, Hey, there's a jazz concert going on here. I'm like, backup plan, go to the sculpture garden. And she sat up there, uh, waiting for us. We kind of went on a walk after we were at spaghetti garden to the sculpture garden. Or spaghetti works. Spaghetti works. (laughs) Spaghetti works. Spaghetti garden sounds amazing. Sign me up for that. Is that what's replacing spaghetti works? (laughs) God, I I mean, I really hope so. That would be great. Um, However, we were we went there, and her friend came up. She sang a song to us, and uh, it was serenaded you. Absolutely, I proposed. She didn't actually say yes, Mm -mm. but she put the ring on her finger. Mm -mm. So you know, then I like had to ask again. She's like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." I'm like, "Okay, (laughs) great." Uh, She wanted that ring by spring. Yes, she yeah, Kennedy just, said, sure. She, oh. <laughs> She's going to love that you said that? <laughs> Leave it in. Ouch. I guess why not? That's essentially what I hear. <laughs> That's like Angela accepting Andy's proposal. Okay, into the mics we are. I said, I okay. said, okay. <laughs> she said, yes. <laughs> it's, oh. it's, it's better than me proposing to Kaylee. not intended. Yeah, it's better than me proposing to Kaylee at Hawkeye Park in the middle of a blizzard in January. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. That's memorable. Because it was on the day. Was it on my it birthday? Was, it was on the day that we started dating, like their dating anniversary. Oh. See, that's way Sentimental. cooler than I, I, Yeah, that's, that's got like a more, for the date, it has a more yeah. like significant meaning. Me, yeah. it's just this, what worked before my wife went on a two-year mission to Thailand. That's right. You got to so, get that commitment. <laughs> yep. And so she gets back. Uh, she graduates one week. I graduate law school the next week. We get married the week after that. Boom. And then uh, since then, we've had two kids. We have a Dang, two we and all, a half. We got two kids. All of us got yeah. two kids. I have a two and a half year old named Knox. He is 
insane. Uh, he likes to say crazy things, and some of them uh, would get us probably the explicit rating. Not because he hears it from us, but he just like hears something and carries it with him. Speaking of explicit ratings, I was looking at the church podcast today, and there's two episodes that have the explicit rating. And guess who's speaking both of those two episodes? J.D. Abel. It's this guy. <laughs> Named JD. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I'm like, why do these have... Ex- it's Matthew. It's 100% because you talk about your wife or something like that. Or talk about husbands and their wives. I, I've, I, I, I get it. Or the church has a troll. I guess, man. I don't know. It's. I was like super shocked. Because of the Genesis. There's And this is a side note. This is the Genesis you know what? Was, it, was, it, was one of them the one where it you wasn't were talking about... Uh, the prostitution? In, the incest and the incest? prostitution. Possibly. Does did that get you, did you explicit do the sermon episodes? about Judah and Tamar? No, uh, Todd did that. I, I, I told, say, that one could get explicit. I told Todd, I was like, "Listen, I'll do any of the sermons. I'm not doing. I'm not you don't doing want to talk Judah about and Tamar. Your seed. No, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Fair enough, but that's wild. Uh, then we have a back to uh, my family. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Back, so, <laughs> speaking of explicit, tell oh, us about your geez. family. <laughs> My uh, second child, who is just turned a year old, his name's Kuiper. He's, mm. he's great. He's not wild. Named yet. after Abraham he's the Kuiper. One. That's right. Oh, you, what were you saying? I had a different joke. Sorry. What were you going to say? No, good. I was going to. I was going to make a joke about. Oh, is that the? Is, is your? Is is that why Abraham Kuiper is named like he is after your son? Yes, he actually is Abraham yes. Kuiper, who's like you know, 130 years old at this, or probably 150 years Hunter, old at this point. Addy and Knox love each other. Yes, they absolutely do. Love playing um, in the nursery. I don't know if you know this, JD. I don't know if Kaylee ever told you this story. So this is going to be a podcast first story. Maybe mm. there was a time that uh, you know sometimes you have to take your children out of church because they're crying and you don't want them to distract others. It's not because right. you don't want your kids in church, but no. it's more or less you don't want to distract. Courtesy. So I took Knox out and Kaylee was out there with uh, Addie, and so they're sitting down. This is about the time when they're both starting to crawl, do all that stuff, not like walking yet, and. Addie just comes up and hugs Knox to mm. the ground and gives him a kiss on the cheek. And Mm-mm. I was like, oh, that's not good. She gets that from her mother. And, Watch out for the Mabel girls. <laughs> and <laughs> Kaylee's like, oh, gosh, J.D. better not know about that. I'm like, yeah, it'd be bad for my son to already have a bad rap with a youth pastor before he's even, before he's even two. <laughs> Those Thorpe boys, the Riz- Rizzlers. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, our, our children do like each other quite a bit, and I, yeah, I appreciate that. It's, nursery friends. They run into each other, and they're excited to see each other. It's great. And same mm. with Christopher Colin. Knox mm. talks about all our kids together. It's pretty um, and for work, I guess, yeah, I'm a, I'm a prosecutor. I work in juvenile court. So any DHS involved kids or kids that are juvenile delinquents, I prosecute those cases in the County that I work in. I do mental health committals. So if somebody has like a severe mental health disorder where they are a threat to themselves or others, I kind of work on the process of getting them treatment. And I also do various other things. Uh, traffic court. Nobody cares about traffic court, though, because the guy who has to, like, prosecute the speeding tickets is usually, like, you know, kind of boring. So that's what I do on the side. And then uh, whatever else my boss tells me to do, which can vary um, from looking at uh, how does the county handle a sewer pipe that's partially owned by the county to making sure a conviction for a sex abuser is upheld. So pretty, pretty wide range of things I do. Sounds like the beginning of a bad joke. A lawyer, a quality assurance manager, and a pastor walk into a bar. <laughs> well, but the pastor's Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of a joke to say I didn't have one. Um, well, gents, 
Sounds like a pretty good first episode to me. What do we feel? Feel good? Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, hey, guys, uh, this is the Dudes in Doxology podcast. To close this out, I'm going to read from Jude, verse 24 and 25. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Amen. Bye-bye, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.